I just want to get this over with as smoothly as possible, collect my money, and take the next 364 days off. Deal? I'm not signing anything without having my lawyer present. Aw, oh, come on. Welcome to Cassandra Explains It All, a podcast where we take a magnifying glass to all of our treasures from the past. Okay, perfect. So today we are talking about Michelle Trachtenberg, and I have a special guest. Thank you for coming back, Auntie Lawyer. Thank you for having me. I mean, what do you know of Harriet the Spy? I know that you really enjoy it, which is not really a surprise, right? Right. I think it's so weird that Michelle Trachtenberg, to me, is an iconic gossip mystical queen, but also she's in all of the nostalgia stuff that I watch. Well, I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff, but definitely with some Nickelodeon things that you really like, in addition to Harriet the Spy. Well, okay. A lot of people will tell you on the streets, they'll try and tell you that Michelle Trachtenberg started on Pete and Pete. Not true. She started on Clarissa Explains It All when we're talking Nickelodeon. She's been acting and modeling since she was three years old. Lots of, lots of, lots of modeling when she was three years old. Kind of weird. Hundreds of commercials. Yeah, she actually started on Clarissa Explains It All. And I did reach out to Mitchell Kriegman to see if he remembers meeting her or anything like that, but he didn't message me back. So I don't know. It could have just been like not even a blip on his radar. But she was on season four, episode 12, Babysitting. She plays Elsie, the mischievous neighbor who ends up falling in love with Ferguson. So this was like 1993 and then 1994, I want to say. She goes to Pete and Pete and she's Nona Mecklenburg, F. Mecklenburg, F is for Francis. And she's little Pete's best friend. She has that big compass necklace that she walks around with. I mean, everybody knows Nona. And she still has that a vision board in her room, which is crazy. That's a long time ago. You're you're asking somebody if he remembers her also. I mean, that was 30 years ago. So that's true. Because it was a one-off spot, right? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was a regular on Pete and Pete, but what was always interesting with Pete and Pete was that Iggy Pop played her dad. There was just always so many interesting guest roles on that show. And just the whole idea that Nickelodeon and programming for children in general at that time was not really geared towards children. It was still like very much adults trying to make themselves laugh while entertaining kids. And Pete and Pete um, is just like the perfect example of that. And just the absurd nature of the show is so much fun. Yeah. I mean, Higgy Pop, I didn't know that. That's, that's, uh, I saw him over the summer actually, like in a restaurant and he's with some really older people and I thought for a second that it might be his parents, but I don't, it wasn't. So I don't know, but he, he's had the very, there's a song that he wrote about having sex with a 13 year old. So I wonder if Michelle Trachtenberg was ever. I don't know. I, at. I wonder. Okay. So that's why I wanted you to come on this episode, NT, if I'm being honest, because I love Michelle Trachtenberg. I think she's great. She's mysterious. Uh, she's magical. I love her in Gossip Girl, but it's weird how she's so connected to Joss Whedon and all of the stories about her I've ever heard are just so out there and outlandish. And I can't imagine that she's actually that terrible. So I kind of just wanted to get someone else's perspective and do a deep dive on it. But she says that I was raised in a very loving and strict way. My mom was really adamant. You ever do a drug in your life and I'll kill you with my bare hands. So, I mean, is that a true statement she made to the Huffington Post? Um, I would say that that is probably true. There's not really any drug rumors about Michelle Trachtenberg at all. Okay. Just, wow. Yeah. I mean, I would say that that she's okay on that. I, I've never really heard she's. You got to realize that Michelle Trachtenberg is very, I know she's had a few boyfriends and she's supposedly engaged to some talent manager now or something, but she's been very quiet in her social life. If you go look at red carpet photos and, you know, on the site, I used to post photos every day and she's probably in 40 days or something like that. And she's never with anybody. It's always solo. She had so many red carpet solo and I can tell you exactly every time she'll wear something and she always has a clutch. She never, ever, ever wears a purse. She always has a clutch. Um, she went through this whole fascination with these massive high heels that she used to wear, but big, big, clunky kind of platform ones. But every single time, 
It's just as pale as she can look, where she's kind of trying to look like Cher and with the straight long hair and just always by herself. Every single time by herself. Because she's an icon. That's what mm, America that needs to realize. Yeah. Didn't realize she was the, the icon. So that's good to know. I learn something new every time I come on. <laughs> I hope so. Take notes. That's definitely what she's going for, right? She always has said that she's been very particular and picky about what roles she takes. She didn't want to get typecast after doing Buffy and being like a Nickelodeon kid. I could see how that would be hard. I think she really had to fight for the role of um, Buffy's little sister, which we'll talk about later. Also, I mean, did you ever watch Buffy? You know, obviously I've watched some episodes just so I can talk about it and some, you know, the angel or whatever. I mean, so I have, but I mean, she wasn't really well liked on that show. My problem with Michelle Trachtenberg is is not that she's she was she always felt like she was too good for TV. She's kind of like a Misha Barton, but somebody who didn't get into the the drug and alcohol problems like Misha did. You know, Misha gave up on the OC and said, "Oh, I'm going to be a big big star," and obviously that did not work. And I think that every time a show would end, whether it's Buffy, then Michelle goes, "Oh, well, I'm done with that. I've done TV. Now I'm going to move on to movies." And the next thing you know, she's on Gossip Girl. Well, I'm done with Gossip Girl. I'm going to go on to movies. Then she gets like a one-off gig on Sleepy Hollow. And she's like, well, I think they're going to bring me back for a bunch of these on Sleepy Hollow and stuff, but I'd really like to get into movies. And she's always saying that, always saying that, always saying that, but it just never really worked out for her. Which is crazy because it should have worked out for her because she's amazing. I'm going to play a clip. This is just one of my favorite things on planet earth. Michelle Trachtenberg in 1996, she's 10 years old and she's on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Do you remember Rosie's daytime show? I do very much. I've just been on a promotional tour for two weeks and, um, for what movie? Oh, well, just Harry the Spy. Oh, really? Who's in that with you? Oh, uh, I think maybe you. Uh, oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Slipped my mind. Um, Where were you? Where'd you go? Um, well, I went to Detroit, Battle Creek, L.A., um, Washington. Actually, in Washington, I went to Planet Hollywood, and I donated my spy belt. And um, today I'm going to Planet Hollywood to donate my yellow slicker raincoat. Wow, that's yeah. pretty... Nobody's ever invited me to Planet Hollywood to donate anything. I can't believe she donated the raincoat. That's adorable. Also, what a weird shout out. Battle Creek, Michigan, really? I mean, she's a little kid. She's excited. She's just going to every little town that she went to. I love it. I guess that this this press tour was not a Bobby Wygant special where she just sits there and Bobby sends it out to all of the uh, TV stations around the country if she was going specifically to Battle Creek. I didn't see any Bobby interviews, but I didn't bother to look if there was any um, Siskel and Ebert review of Harriet the Spy, actually. She, oh, she was in Space Cases, also, I should mention, because that is a huge cult classic in the Nickelodeon fandom. I had never heard of that. Space Cases? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty rough, but it was good. I mean, it was Nickelodeon, and she was in Eurotrip, which people really, really, really liked. I have seen that a dozen times, probably. Okay. So did you think she was good in Eurotrip? Yeah, she's really good. I, I just, I really like that movie. It's, I believe it's a sequel to Road Trip, but I can't, I mean, I'm assuming it is given the name and everything, but it's not any of the same characters that are in Eurotrip that were in Road Trip. Road Trip had like Tom Green in it. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was in it. It was, that was really good. And then Eurotrip. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Eurotrip. So, yeah. And I know that it was like a big deal because didn't she do like full frontal nudity in that movie or no am i remembering she, got, that she got naked but i don't remember if it was full frontal okay because yeah i know she talked about like being typecast and everything and when she was on the set of harriet the spy on the first day of production she turned 10 years old that's pretty awesome did they give her party i wonder i hope so <laughs> how old are you tell everyone how old you are 10 10 years old and this is your first feature film. Yes. Did you enjoy making the movie? Yes, I loved making the movie. Why was it so much fun? <laughs> <laughs> well, truthfully, because you were there, and even before that I knew you were going to be Gully in this movie, yeah. you were one of my favorite actresses. I've seen you in League of Their Own and oh, Flintstones. Well, thank you very much. That's adorable. I can't. Oh, my gosh. 
All right. But seriously, though, what the hell happened on the set of Buffy? Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because you had Charisma Carpenter come out and and talk about it. And she said, you know, Joss Whedon or whatever was horrible. And everybody came out, right? And just said that he abused his power and stuff. And there was a lot of that. And then Michelle Trachtenberg came out and said something to the extent of Joss wasn't allowed to be in a room with me by myself, that he had been cautioned against that. After an incident. Supposedly. But here's the thing is that when, so Michelle made the statement in support of Charisma, and then there were other people who came also, like Sarah Michelle Geller also came forward and said something. And then Joss totally ignored it. I don't think he actually even responded to it for about a year. And and he, he said, well, you know, something like Charisma and I usually got along. And yes, you know, I was this and I wasn't as nice as maybe I should have been, blah, blah. And But, you know, I was a great showrunner. And then somebody, I think it was New York Magazine, maybe. And they said, well, what about what Michelle Trachtenberg said? And he goes, I don't have any idea what she even means. There's a lot of weird quotes that she said about Buffy. And the thing with Joss Whedon is like, am I the only person that thinks it's creepy that he like hides behind female empowerment? Is that intentional or is that, I don't know. It just is weird to me. I just think that he tries to salvage himself. I mean, because he's really kind of destroyed some you know, universes, like superhero universes and stuff. And this really, I mean, Charisma was not the only one. I mean, basically everybody said something about it. And, you know, he responded, but his only response really was directly to to Charisma and nobody else who who made any statements except to acknowledge that he had no idea what Michelle was talking about. She had joined on the fifth season, which is really hard to do, I feel like, on a network show you're coming in the fifth season a lot of people didn't like her like you mentioned and they hated her it's not even like they didn't not just like her i mean they literally hated her so i mean like fans hated her but do you think that the cast hated her because i know sarah michelle geller pulled her in to get her at least to get her the interview yeah i mean i think it was just the fans but i mean I mean, she was described as like the most annoying um, character on television, most hated character on television. Oh my God. And, she, <laughs> and she's, you know, and she was so whiny and stuff and she ruined the show. And she had this habit of coming into shows mid stride and she did it again with Gossip Girl. And then, you know, her plan was to also do it during um, Sleepy Hollow, but that was already getting ruined by Nikki Reed. So I think that... Okay, here's my kind of thing. If everybody hated her, if they hated the character Dawn Summers, then maybe that shows that she's a great actress, right? If you just, oh my gosh, I really hate you. I really hate this character. Then that shows you're a good actress. If it's just, we didn't like the character, we just, then it's, you know, maybe on the writers and stuff. And they're also trying to figure out what to do with her and bring her into a show that has been going on, like you said, Mm -hmm. for four or five seasons. So that is, it's a tough place because everybody is excited about the characters and it's the same. It's it's really tough to get used to new characters. And I think that's the same with like White Lotus this year, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. loved the first season and everybody, there's a lot of haters for the second season. People are like, wait, just because nobody came back, just watch the second season. And it's even better than the first season. You just can't be upset that it's not the same people, you know, give it a shot. That's true. Well, and it's funny you say that because that is what they people say about her characters, like on Gossip Girl. And, you know, it's like she is perfectly hateable, right? And yeah. there's this Perez Hilton interview. And anybody who listens to my podcast knows that I'm obsessed with Buffy. I was obsessed with Angel. And I had an Angel, like a David Boreanaz doll that was in a box. <laughs> and okay. yeah, I mean, I had like unsupervised access to ebay during the late 90s so wow i just bought a lot of weird shit like wonder year scripts that were signed right or dolls of david boreanaz why not so perez asks her you've had an action figure made of you right and she said i have uh, there were actually several um, but they were prepubescent because they were from Buffy. So it's like 15-year-old me with a little flat chest. I'm like, what? Oh, God. What? Like, it didn't occur to me that there would be even be dolls of the other characters, honestly. 
Like, I think that the storytelling of the way that she got the part on Buffy changes from interview to interview. Like she gives more and more detail every time she tells it, because on the first time I heard it, she says that I met with Joss Whedon who created the show. I kind of saw how it worked behind the scenes. Then later on, I got the call and it was an exciting process, right? So, okay, that's simple. But then like in the Huffington Post interview, she says, I, you know, fought my way into the audition and earned my way onto the show because Joss is a very particular and brilliant creative mind. And it was an honor to be a part of the experience. And it helped structure me as a writer today because I'm, I also write for the WGA and I write screenplays and pilots, which I didn't know. Yeah, she said it was challenging and detail oriented and great. Now, when was that interview? Was it before or after the charisma start the statements? It was before, right? So how come she never said anything? Like she's calling Joss, you know, brilliant and creative. And it was an honor to be part of the experience. And it helped structure me as a writer today. You know, how come she didn't say, you know, I couldn't be alone with the guy. I, I, yeah, I, she doesn't yeah, even have to say that because Look, here's she, the thing because Brian Singer, because that's the Georgie, that's the Michelle Trachtenberg vibe, honestly, is like she doesn't care as long as it can help her career, right? So if she had, look, I, I'm always going to believe a victim, and if she says that Joss was told that he couldn't be in a room with her, I believe her. However, that being said, I don't know if it. If it had really happened like that, she doesn't have to mention it. That's her story. She doesn't have to. However, why are you just going to like blow his butt up with all he's a brilliant creative mind and it was an honor to be part of the experience? Just say, hey, you know, I fought my way into the audition. I earned my way onto the show. Then in another interview with Perez, she said, because he asked her, you know, did Sarah Michelle Geller help you get that role on Buffy? And she said she was really supportive of it but I had to bust my butt and audition and prove to Joss, who was our producer, that I was the right girl for the role. And I was literally obsessed with the show. Um, And she describes going on to set and how exciting it was because she was so young. And she said, Joss is such a strong personality and really had his own vision. So really, if he thought someone else was more appropriate, he would have done that. So it was really more of an honor because, you know, I earned it. Yeah. And I mean, I know that she and Sarah Michelle Gellar played sisters like in All My Children, right? But I mean, Sarah was like 16 when she was in All My Children and she was a handful on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder how close she really was to Michelle because I know that, you know, Susan Lucci hated Sarah Michelle Gellar. So, I mean, maybe she sought comfort in a friend in Michelle, but how old was Michelle at that time? I'm I don't know if I had guess I'd say 20 but the only thing I think is weird is that yeah you're right I'm surprised like honestly I'll say this I'm surprised she said anything about Joss Sweden when all the stuff came out about him knowing how comfortable she is with being friends with predators the Brian Singer stuff is... I can't get through one interview of this woman without her talking about Brian Singer. Like she says, I'm a big house fan and I put my foot down and demanded that I do an episode, which Brian Singer was kind enough to oblige me. I have to say, Brian's a friend of mine. I started watching because he's like, you have to watch my show. Because yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, maybe you guys just listen to my nostalgia episodes uh, and you don't know who Brian Singer is. He did X-Men Days of Future Past. He's a, He was the director and many other things. So she started following Brian Singer. She tweeted out that she was getting a new hair color. And so people were speculating that she was going to be in the next X-Men movie. I wonder if she was doing it kind of like how Robert Pattinson got the Batman, just, you know, all his people just kind of said, oh, he's getting it, even though he hadn't actually got it yet. But then it just kind of became a fait accompli. So maybe Smart. it was maybe it was the same kind of thing. OK, I'm getting a new head red color. And then Brian started following her and she followed him. And, you know, I think everybody wanted to be an X-Men and everybody was speculating which you know person she could be an X-Men and stuff. So, yeah, I think that she would do anything to to get into a movie. I just... Uh, do you think she's aware? Like, she seems like she's such good friends with Brian Singer. She mentions him. I'm not kidding, guys. In probably, like, four different interviews I watched. Do you think she's aware of all of the allegations surrounding him? 
Well, I mean, the 2013, I mean, the allegations really came front and center, like in 2017 with him. I mean, where it was public, public knowledge, but she must have known even in 2013 what was going on to some extent, if they were hanging out at all. But again, she's a very solo kind of individual. Um, when she was talking about Sleepy Hollow, she said, you know, I, I can't really watch the show because I live alone and it scares me. She's just never really, I mean, she, there's been some boyfriends and stuff for a little while, but she just lives a very solo kind of life. So maybe she hadn't been to one of his parties, which, you know, why would she go if it's Brian Singer and a bunch of barely 18 year olds getting drunk and, you know, having sex with 40 and 50 year olds? Why would she be there for that? So maybe she didn't know. But one of the things that bothers me about her also is, you know, she had this interaction with Harvey Weinstein and she was desperate to be in a movie of his, wanted to play a pregnant woman in one of his movies. And Harvey, I guess, told her that she wasn't sexy enough to play a pregnant woman in his movie. So she says, well, what I did was I opted out of my creepy, cool Halloween costume for the year I was excited for to show him, hey, I can be sexy. See? And it was like this snow white outfit or whatever, which was, you know, ridiculously revealing or whatever. So she was doing that and playing it up to Harvey so he would cast her as a, a pregnant woman and that she was sexy enough for oh, how bizarre that tracks so this is one thing i thought this is interesting i'm sure everybody really cares she did acknowledge that her and thora birch often would be competing for the same roles right because i always put her in that wheelhouse of like thora birch and kristen stewart that's interesting. And she said that for Hocus Pocus, like she's still bitter about the fact that she was supposed to be in Hocus Pocus, not as Thora Birch's character, but as the girl, uh, Emily Banks, who gets killed in the opening scene by the Sanderson sisters. So. No. Well, you know, it's the same thing that she said for Twilight. I, I don't remember her saying Thora Birch, but she said she was up for Twilight or whatever. And You'll have to read her quote about it, about Bella and whether or not she was really up for it, up for it, or just was a casual kind of mention. But she said, you know, there's not very many pale women in Hollywood. So, of course, I was going to be up for it. Yeah, which I think that's true, right? Anybody who listens to this podcast knows I have recorded every single movie of Twilight I've done an episode for. Oh, God, I'm glad I didn't have to do those with you. Right? My friend and comedian, Ryan Coney. And we're going to finish this project. We are going to do the last Twilight episode, probably drop it on New Year's. It's going to be epic. I always say how much I hate Kristen Stewart and I just can't stand her acting. I think it's terrible. And I would definitely rather see Michelle Trachtenberg as Bella than Kristen Stewart. Are you kidding me? You know, I, I read all the books. So that way, at least I can say that I've read all the books. And I saw the first movie and then I maybe saw part of the second movie. They were, it was all so poorly acted that anything would have been an improvement, but you know, I thought that the books were horrific, but I mean, I thought that the movies might, I don't know, be a little bit better. And I guess they were because it doesn't take as long to watch the movies. It does to read the book. That was a positive. I, I just, I feel like the budgets were so low that no matter what anybody did, it was just going to look bad. But I could see Michelle playing it, but I could see Michelle in a lot of roles in the Twilight movie. I, I don't necessarily think it has to be for Bella. Yeah, I just feel like... Don't you think she could have played one of the sisters? Sure. No, I could definitely see her as Bella. And I just, when I think Twilight, I think who had the heroine on set? Because my God... Y'all need a freaking nap, a sandwich, a vacation. I don't know, but I would not be happy if I was the director. Then I see her on Gossip Girl, which I love. I love Georgina Sparks. Um, one of my favorite Gossip Girl characters ever. And I was disappointed to see that we didn't really get um, any of our old characters with the Gossip Girl reboot, which I'm sure you haven't watched, right? I have not. However, I know that they said that everybody was invited back. Mm. So you can see who was desperately needing a role. 
Yeah, nobody came back. But she did say, and this was in an interview talking about Georgina, she said that we, uh, well, I'm saying that we love to hate Georgina, but she says, I never understood those actors who don't want to play villains because if an audience leaves the theater or a couch saying, God, I hate her, then you know you've done your job, right? That's what you just said. Georgina is wonderfully evil. She knows how to get you and she will steal your man. I'm like, oh, she's such a queen. So yeah, she was, she started on season one, episode 15, desperately seeking Serena. And then it ends Well, she comes back season six, episode 10. And of course, like she's not there the whole time because I think there was like drama and she left the show or something. I don't really know. Well, I mean, I think that she just did the one episode and then she came back and then because people were leaving and stuff and then she got people fired from the show. She got Jessica Zor mm. fired from the show. She got, you can say the Taylor Momsen was fired. The Taylor Momsen, well, the Taylor Momsen was fired, but whether or not it had anything to do with um, Michelle is up for debate. But Jessica Zor will tell you that that the reason she got fired was because of um, Michelle. But Taylor Momsen had her own issues. I mean, she had been um, in the hospital and, you know, everybody assumes that it was heroin overdose or mm -hmm. something like that. And she didn't want to be there. She hated it. She just wanted to be out on tour with Pretty Reckless. She had, you know, she's the ideal of, you know, starting off as a kid actress. And just by the time she's 17 years old, she literally hates it. So she just wanted nothing more to do with acting. I mean, Cindy Lou Who, all grown up. And uh, I think that she was doing her best to get fired. She, even when she was like 16 or 17, she was flashing paparazzi and stuff just so, it would just cause a big enough controversy where she would get fired. So I'm not sure that Michelle had anything to do with it, but they have, you know, that they needed Michelle. She must have been difficult to work with Michelle Trachtenberg because I don't understand just how you would not have her as the lead in that show. I mean, she is honestly magnetic. I mean, I know you don't watch Gossip Girl, but I do feel like her episodes are iconic in a way that's almost indescribable. I mean, she's... I've seen the show. I just, I, I think that, I mean, she's good in it. She can play that kind of character. I think that how you can tell if, if people get along is, you know, look at some nostalgia thing. You like Cool Intentions, right? Mm -hmm. um, that entire cast, they all still love each other, you know, except for Ryan Felipe. They, they always hang out together. I mean, look at all these years later. They will always hang out together. They will always support one another. And with Gossip Girl, you know, you'll see pictures from when they were filming it and stuff, and you'll see um, Michelle on the street with Penn Badgley or see Michelle on the street with, you know, Leighton Meester or whatever, but they never hung out together. They're, they're on the street while they're waiting to film and they're talking, but that's it. There's never any, oh my gosh, let's get together kind of thing. Oh, I love you, girl. And all this kind of stuff. There's not, there's nothing like that. Yeah. God, that's so sad that you say that because... I have a quote and it says, um, because she's super into Halloween. She loves Halloween. She said that I'm going to have a masquerade mask and a headpiece and a wig. It's actually from Gossip Girl, like from the set, from the masquerade episode. And she took it. Um, so it's like she has things, but not people. And also on MTV, she was on, because that was on Alexa Chung interviewed okay. her on MTV like 12 years ago. I don't know if you remember that, but she was also on MTV. I found on punked, which I did watch the whole episode, you guys. And it was not funny at all. Like, I don't know why we ever thought punked was funny. It really wasn't ever funny. It gave us the kid and I can't remember his name. The one who was always like part of the setup or whatever. Oh um, yeah. And he had a nice little, you know, movie television career too. So that was kind of cool. But... I just can't stand Ashton Kutcher. I think. I know. I know. I, I feel like it was overly contrived and I'm not sure that any of it was really anybody being punked for the most part. Which do you think is more iconic to overuse that word? Her Michelle Trachtenberg being on weeds or Mary Kate Olsen being on weeds? Oh, Mary Kate Olsen. Are you kidding me? Come on now. Cause she hadn't been on it for a while. Look, I have seen maybe a dozen episodes of weeds and the ones that I specifically watched are the ones with Mary Kate Olsen. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some others too, but I didn't go digging around for the, you know, the Michelle Trachtenberg episodes. <laughs> oh, I did. Just kidding. I've watched all of Weeds a million times. And I often say that I should 
start a weeds podcast because there isn't one, but then it turns into this like Russian doll situation. It's like, how many podcasts can you really have? You know what I mean? I think that, you know, you've mentioned that to me before, and I actually think that that would be a really good thing because I think that if you really could do it well, if you could have every episode and if you could have somebody who was on each episode, you know, just even if it was just somebody who had one line or something like that, just so they could talk about that particular episode and what they saw. Um, I think that it could be really good because there isn't, you know, this oral history of weeds. I'm not sure why it was, it's an extremely good show, really, mm -hmm. really good show. And to me, it's, everybody says, well, it's kind of like Breaking Bad. It's not really. No, uh, it was in this, the genre of the, that we're not rooting for the main character anymore. They're the bad guy. It came out yeah. in, in that time, like the nurse Jackie and all that. Yeah. I mean, and think about that. Showtime had weeds and nurse Jackie at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then, so, yeah. And breaking bad. I mean, it was definitely a thing. Yeah. So I think that a weeds podcast would really be a good thing to have. I think that it's, it has a big fandom and I'm kind of shocked that there's not one. Um, but there's a lot of episodes and, you know, maybe yeah, you could get was, Mary Kate to co-host it with you. I don't this know. sounds like a lie, but I was literally before we recorded this in a live stream listening to the weed soundtrack that someone else was playing, like like put on of their own free will. Was so, this an Aaron Carter live stream? No, it wasn't. Related to that at all? No? Okay. It was Ganville. So it was kind of related. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're, to your point, people do still like Weeds. Um, and the music was great. But I just think that's so fun. She was in Weeds. And I think that's going to be my jumping off point to start watching it again, because I want to go back and see all her episodes. I've seen, you know, enough of Pete and Pete. I have all of the episodes on a hard drive. I watch them on a rotation. And like Nona is just one of the characters that will stay in my heart forever. And I like Buffy. I liked her on Buffy. I liked her on Gossip Girl. But then after that, like I didn't watch Euro Trip. I didn't watch any of her other projects. The solo show that never happened. Stop. Oh my God. Yeah. You had me at CW style. <laughs> it was really weird because Gossip Girl was ending and everybody's like, oh, we're going to have a spinoff of Gossip Girl. We're going to have a spinoff of Gossip Girl. And then that never really came to fruition, but she was like, just would not stop talking about the fact that she was, you know, going to have her own show and that, you know, it was going to be this Stuart Zuckerman guy was going to be running it and stuff. And basically she was going to play a young criminology student with a dark past and a knack for profiling suspects. And somebody goes, oh, it's kind of like Murder, She Wrote meets Profiler, but CW style. And she came up with the idea for the show herself. And, you know, she wanted to be a producer on it and stuff. And it just never came Ugh. to be. That's sad. That would have been perfect. Could you imagine her with her magnifying glass? Like, no, Harriet I, the spy. No, I, I just have yes. a problem with, I just, she has a tough time being a lead because she's not a lead in Euro trip or whatever. She's great because she's not the lead. So she can come in, do what she does best, steal some scenes, and not just because she's flashing somebody on the side of the highway. And she can go into Gossip Girl season five or whatever, take it over, boom. And part of the ensemble cast, Buffy, go in there, boom. And you can say, well, I hate Dawn Summers or whatever, but she still went in there and she made an impression. She does well with ensemble casts. She doesn't do so well when she's all by herself. Well, I would have watched it and I would have been the biggest fan ever, even though I won't watch her shitty Christmas movie, The Christmas Gift. Okay, so let's talk about The Christmas Gift, right? <laughs> so so was this a Hallmark or a Lifetime? What was it? I don't you know. know. She, she played like, a curious reporter. Right? <laughs> who, who tries to track down a stranger who unknowingly changed your life after sending an anonymous present. Um, Yeah. Uh, that's that's not on the list and she see she had another it, shot at a lead why are right we letting candace cameron bray get away with this crap but michelle trachtenberg can't because michelle trachtenberg doesn't have the following that candace cameron bray has but she should she should <laughs> and again you know she tried to she was going to be the lead in um it's kind of confusing it was either going to be a pilot called save the date and then mm -hmm. they were going to turn it into a show but it turned out to end up being like a movie like a made for tv movie and i think it was on cbs and it was basically just a woman who races to find a husband after having a few too many drinks, and then she books a wedding venue. Okay, 
that sounds very lifetime-ish, very, um, you could even make that, turning that into a Christmas movie. It's like she booked it for Christmas Eve or something. That would be great, but it didn't work. She just, she couldn't carry it on her own. To sound like a child that grew up in the 90s, it's not fair. She gave us Pete and Pete, Clarissa. I mean, she's so, she's so wrapped up in my nostalgia. I just can't divorce even all of these horrible things you're probably about to tell me. I can't, you know, see past the Pete and Pete of it all. Yeah. And then there was Meet Mary Murder. See, that one's still going on. And let's talk about that for a second, because mm -hmm. it's very confusing. Yes. It's basically. It is very confusing. I tried is, diligently it, to figure out what the fuck was happening in that show and failed. It is. Um, It's a lifetime show that it's basically true crime. And, you know, people who made marry and then somebody gets murdered. And she said that she's the one who pitched the idea to Lifetime and that she was going to be the host and narrator and all this kind of stuff. And it got picked up. And so I was looking through the IMDb because I've never watched it. And she did host for the first season. But even though she's the one who supposedly came up with it all, she's been fired really for the second season because Helen Hunt is the new narrator and the new host of it. So if it's her own show and she's the producer, she's not going to kick herself off, but it could have something to do with, you know, reviews or something where it said, you know, having to watch the host is painful. It's like, she's trying to be Joe Kenda and failing the way she executes the lines are like, she's reading off cue cards for the first take, like the card cuts off and she picks it up in the next card, but starts a new expression. And it's awful. It's like, she's really trying hard in a very bad audition. So, I mean, well, it's oh your man. own show. And, and Helen and Hunt, you can't compete with Helen Hunt. I mean, come on. What, why is Helen Hunt doing a hosting of Lifetime Meet Mary Murder? So where's her career? You know, that's where's really her career bizarre. now? Yeah, that's bizarre. And gosh, man, I can see that. And see, that's my point. That's not the crap that Michelle deserves to be doing. She, you know, leave that to Shannon Doherty. Okay. The voiceover oh, crap on sci-fi. She now. needs to be playing Oswald. Yeah. She was Oswald's wife. Perfect. And, and I'm, I'm sure that it was fine. And, you know, and that's an interesting thing, like the premiere for those, because I was going through all my pictures and everything and the Kennedy thing, she went by herself. To every like the premiere that they had in different cities, New York, LA, whatever. She was always by herself. I love that. Maybe she just likes to keep everything secret, I guess. I don't know. But it it is you now when she'd be like at a party or something. I mean, I sent you a picture with her, like in Rose McGowan and Leslie Mann. When she would be inside the event, she would take pictures and she and Emma Roberts would hang out a lot together at events inside. When she's a little chain smoker, too. She is a chain smoker. And but they wouldn't go to the thing together, right? She would meet Emma there and then they would be inside and you'd see them and taking pictures and stuff. And, but yeah, when you're a smoker in Hollywood, then, you know, you always are having a smoke outside and you meet a lot of people and who are fellow smokers and stuff. Just, it doesn't feel like she has a lot of friends. Yeah. And I know with like the Pete and Pete reunion, she didn't get invited. I mean, how do you not invite her? Wasn't she a regular? She was a regular. <laughs> Then how do you not get invited? What is that I about? Know. I don't know. Was but... everybody else invited? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that it was that's embarrassing. Just, that just shows you right there. Mm -hmm. I went to like a virtual Pete and Pete reunion the year that COVID had hit, and that was really it was really fun. And Polaris played. Well, was fun. Do you remember? And this kind of. I think shows the kind of relationship. There was a time when Sarah Michelle Gellar, she was pregnant and um, she had been hiding behind scripts and she'd always like have coats and stuff when she was walking around and everything. And it was, you know, it's an old trick, that especially that it was done a lot when there was a lot of paparazzi and this was 2009. So this was peak paparazzi time. And Michelle kind of did what she is known for in which when I've written blind items about her, she likes to leak gossip. And I think that she, she does it to, to get extra money and stuff. And she did. And she's famous for leaking stuff. That's so and, wild. And she told people magazine, Oh, you know, we talk, just talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar. We talk every other day. I'm super excited. I'm so very happy for her and Freddie. She's going to be an extraordinary mom. Good people make great parents. Okay. Sarah Michelle Gellar has been doing 
an incredible job to this point of hiding it and doing whatever she can to hide it. And then supposedly this friend of hers basically can't help herself and tells people on the record as Michelle, not as if, oh, People Magazine has learned. No, it's her. And then, you know, she makes it sound like she and Sarah talked every other day and everything. So then the next day, literally the next day, Sarah and Michelle just gives it up. And then you see that she's pregnant. But I, I thought that was such a, a bad move. And I wonder if they've talked since then. Yeah. I always wonder if she is close with Rosie O'Donnell still too. Doesn't seem like it. I think, I think you're right. Like, I think she seems pretty isolated. I know that in one interview I watched, she mentioned that like, she has anxiety from being away from her phone because like, she needs to stay in constant, constant contact with her mother. Um, and that her mother like frequently still cooks her dinner and stuff like that. I'm like, well, that's nice. So let's get into the blind items. Well, we can do that. One thing about the the Twilight thing really quick. Mm -hmm. So she made it seem like she was really kind of being offered the role, but that she couldn't fit the movie into her schedule because she was, you know, doing Buffy or something like that. And, but my guess is that she might've been offered it, but she was offered like $0 because the budget was so small. Or maybe she was just offered an audition. I think that it was probably that, but remember the budget was small and I think she probably made more on Buffy than she would make doing the Twilight movie. So maybe that's why. Bad call though, in the long run. (laughs) So a blind, let me find a blind. You know, I've I've had a lot of them about her. I mean, going back, way back to the beginning of like almost the the website back in 2008. And it was talking about this B slash C list television actress who was one of the stars of a very long-running hit show is on a new show now. She's made it very clear to producers that she's willing to do anything to stay on the show longer and is already dropping hits about she's going to make sure she's the main focus of the show, and that's Michelle Trachtenberg. <clears throat> that's what she has a history of. If you go to July 2010, whenever wherever this B-list television and sometime movie actress goes, she causes trouble. She goes from one show to the next, rarely staying longer than five or six episodes. Um, great actress, huge ego. At first, she's very pleasant and kind, and within two weeks, is sucking up to producers and backstabbing the other cast. She was finally given a huge role in a new network show, and what has she done? Same old tricks. She wants to be the number one female in the show, will not stop saying bad things about the one female who's the bigger lead. It has got so bad that the female lead has developed a twitch in her eye when she's on set and sees her tormentor, Michelle Trachtenberg. I mean, it just, it's all of this. There was... 2010, so that, I mean... I mean, it's Gossip Girl. You know, it's just... She talks about like there was like stealing guys and stuff like that. And just it makes was just me too wonder much. about the set of weeds. Like I wonder how they wrote her character off because I honestly can't remember. Oh yeah. Well, you should take a take a look. I I just think that um there's one from like 2012. And she was at the Dark Knight premiere. And I said she's B minus C plus list and isn't even in the movies. And she was actually higher than that. Just I have this thing from Michelle Trachtenberg. So I would often give her a lower ranking. So she's barely part of the hit show on the Almost Network. She shows up on sometimes after she posed for photos on the red carpet without ever really smiling. The actress discovered where she was supposed to sit during the movie. She went into a don't you know who I am mode and said there was no way she was going to sit with regular people. She's an actress, not someone who works a job. She wouldn't stop causing a scene until she was moved into something she regarded as more her class. This is normal behavior for her. Um, and I say, but there is one movie she was in before she got all high and mighty. And I wish she had stayed the same. Really liked that movie too. And I was talking about Eurotrip um, and Michelle Trachtenberg. It's just, it's over and over and over with this kind of stuff. And Jeez. she did the whole, don't you know who I am game again at a Halloween party. We know she loves Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it said, um, basically, a television actress who had run a long time ago on a vampire show, has done very little as late. She was at a Halloween party and played the Don't You Know Who I Am card when denied entry into a party. She was wearing a costume, so the bouncer said no. She then handed over ID and her phone, which was loaded on her wiki. And the guy still said no. And then she really went off on him, but he still said no. Who who keeps their Wikipedia on their phone? That's pretty wild. That is... <laughs> That's upsetting. Michelle, come on. You got to do better. I'm out here trying to defend you blindly. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's just, and there was a reunion of Sarah Michelle Geller and Michelle in 2018. And um, there was a party and they posed together for a photo, but that was it. Like they didn't talk to each other or anything like that. But somebody said, hey, Ooh, you know, you guys should 
posed together for a photo. And that was in October, I think, of 2018. One of the more famous things that really happened that people haven't talked about enough, and I wrote a blind about it, but it wasn't as if it was, I just kind of worded it a little bit differently, but it was already kind of a part of it was already a story. And I said this A minus list genre actor um, will freely tell this story at paid for fan dinners because that's how he makes his living. And he has mother issues due to his childhood experiences with a hyper religious mom. Whilst working on the cult show that launched him, Buffy, he had an affair with the show's much loved maternal figure, um, Christine Sutherland. And he also had to fend off the advances of an underage co star on a daily basis, Michelle Trachtenberg, ultimately writing a song about the experience. He reported that the showrunner who's having a bad year, that's Joss, has a coffee table book at home with pages upon pages of gory images of burn victims, which is an unhealthy mindset to say the least. And this song, Dangerous, it's very bizarre because Michelle was underage and James was not. And people have talked about this song going back to when it came out because everybody knows that it's about Michelle. But was she the one doing, you know, was he fending her off? and then wrote a song or was he making moves on her? And that's. So it's funny you say that because remember when I did that interview with Ty Kel Mitchell's ex-wife? Yeah. She, during that time when we were talking, which we still talk, but during that time we were talking about Nickelodeon and stuff. And she's like, do you remember that girl? She was obsessed with Kel. I mean, stalker, like the way she would look at her or look at him. Um, and it was creepy and he was older than her. And I would tell him like, you know, you got to shut that down. Like she's going to get you in trouble the way she was acting. And I'm like, who, like, who are you thinking of? And she's like, she wasn't on the same show as him, or maybe she was, I don't know. And we're like going through all these pictures. It was Michelle Trachtenberg. See, so you know, maybe people have been people have been giving James Marsters a hard time since he wrote that song. But maybe you know that's her thing. She's her definitely talked about liking older guys before, like several times. Well, her boyfriend is much older, I think, because he was producing movies in 1994 or 1993. So, I mean, that's 30 years ago that he was producing movies. I think she's 35 now. It wouldn't surprise me if he's like 65 or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know his age, so but he produces fairly bad movies. And he is her talent manager and has been so, I think, since like about 2014, I think you found. So, I mean, she's been keeping that a secret for eight years. Well, six years because she told everybody, I think, in 2020. So she kept it secret for six or seven years. So she's very good at keeping secrets. Now, one of the things in 2013, and this is very interesting. This is one I'm just going to reveal here, exclusive, whatever. And now it makes me wonder, because I haven't looked into him to see whether or not um, he was married at the time. Because this is from 2013, and all I know is what I wrote. And then it's just this B-minus list, mostly television actress with a very long name, loves people to think she's righteous and never does anything wrong. She's one of the biggest blind item offenders. And this week got drunk in an event and started yelling at her married lover on the phone while everyone just looked at her with wide open mouths. And she's the one who's saying something about him being married. Like, I, I didn't know. I didn't have any other secret knowledge. It's just her yelling at him on the phone and bringing it up. So if she's really started being with this guy, like as the manager in 2014, it's quite possible that they were already hooking up by then. And there was another thing, I, I'm so glad you brought it up about the older guys, right? Because also back in 2013, same time, apparently the, the blind goes, this B-list minus mostly television actress who most recently had a recurring role in that show in the Almost Network. That was about their only good show. Anyway, she ran into this A-list funny actor who got a start on television, but is mostly movies now, emphasis on mostly, he's married. Our actress came up to him and point blank told the guy that if he ever wanted to have a no-strings affair, that he should come to her. I said, don't believe her. She talks to gossip people all the time. She would sell them out in a second, believe her own name out of it. And that's Michelle and Seth Rogen. And he didn't go through with it or anything. I'm just saying, like, she probably oh, thought, well, no, I can girl. get a roll out of this. You that know? is a step too far. No, come so on. That, that's another, like, exclusive one or whatever. And then... I, that's just, tough because, I mean, on one hand, I support her journey of trying to have sex with Seth Rogen. But on the other hand, like you said, I do think she would sell him out. She would. And I second. know 
I think he has a pretty heavy marriage and also like his wife's parents died and like it's very tragic I've I'm very invested in the Rogan family this is upsetting to me and one more like exclusive one but it's kind of I'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's pretty long but basically it's just what I've been saying that the gossip is kind of what ruined her career not gossip about her although there's plenty but gossip she would sell because she would just sell whatever she could when she was on these hit shows suddenly there'd be story after story about her co-stars where there weren't any before and the only people who give her any kind of work now are people who've been friends with her for a long time or in a position to give her work and um there was this pay cable show and there'd never been any gossip about the show weeds then in its second to last year, our actors came on board and there was just story after story and people on set were reading things about other people on the set. And it was a family of sorts that was torn apart. The show, which was supposed to go on for several more seasons, suddenly just limped through a final season. The actress wasn't part of that last season because she was essentially poisoned after that. So there's your weeds. I don't know how they wrote her off, but that's why they wrote her off. She yes. came in and she destroyed the show. That's so she, what she, she did. She played Silas's girlfriend. Um, who's a dominatrix or something, if I remember correctly. But it was the relationship that was ruined, Mary Louise Parker and her husband, right? Because it, didn't they divorce during think so. that show? Yeah, because I he just, was on the yeah. pilot episode as her husband who died, which I always thought was interesting. And then they divorced and it's like, God, woman, now you have to like have this attached to your career forever. That's so tragic. I mean, not the divorce, but the career part. Yeah, I mean, it's just the fact that and honestly, I, when I said I was going to give you this reveal or whatever, I totally forgot it was about weeds until I started reading popular pay cable show because I haven't revealed it. So I was just thinking, well, I know it's about Michelle. And then I was reading, I go, oh, that's weeds. And so there you go. I mean, she just destroys shows. And and I think that's why with Sleepy Hollow, she was just all, oh, and it was it really the quote when she was talking about it. So let's say you go on a show for one episode, right? One episode. Do you get interviewed by TV and stuff like that? Maybe if you're Britney Spears doing a, you know, a stunt casting thing or Lindsay mm -hmm. Lohan doing a stunt casting thing or something like that. But Michelle Trachtenberg's not stunt casting. She's just somebody who's out for a role and she's playing like Abigail Adams on Sleepy Hollow. And she has one episode, but she literally gave like 10 interviews about that one episode. And I was like, okay, well, your publicist is really good. But the executive producer of the show is Lynn Weissman. And she was like, well, you know, it's very possible that my character is going to return because Len and his wife are very close friends of mine. And that's actually how this all sort of came to fruition and how I started watching the show in its first season. Um, you know, she talks about living alone and stuff like that. And so she's like, OK, so I know the executive producer and we're friends and, you know, I go to his house and that's how I found out. And then she talks about the people that she had scenes with. And she goes, well, I didn't have scenes with this person, but he looks a lot of fun. And I'm sure we'd have a lot of fun together. And then there's this other guy. We didn't have a scene together, but we were on set. And he seems like a really nice guy. And just name dropping, name dropping, name dropping. And just whoever she can name drop to try and get some kind of job. But I thought it was really, she's already assuming that she's going to get on the show. And I bet you they didn't put her on the show because she would destroy it. Like she destroyed Gossip Girl and like she destroyed Buffy and Weeds and everything else. Oh, my God. I have a type. It's like the Aaron Carter curse, dude. I don't know. I just love her so much. I, I think she's so great. I think that everybody should let her destroy their shows. Um, and then executive producer Shauna, she sent me this list of Michelle Trachtenberg's dating history, mm -hmm. which I was, like you said, like I always see her alone. So I was unaware she ever dated anybody. But like Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy 2009, Jason Siegel also, wow, just wow, 2009. Good for you, girl. Brandon Proust, that's an yeah. NHL player. That's weird. Josh Groban. Yeah, maybe. Kid Cuddy, what? Maybe. And then her talent manager, Jay. Then possibly some plastic surgery. Which I guess the internet, according oh, to the internet, sure. is not possible, right? I mean, it happened. I don't think her face looks that different, but okay, I don't um, know. I mean, she had work done. I, I mentioned it in some photo from a long time ago. It was like mm -hmm. a photo of her and two other women, and now it was like work done, not work done, work done, or something. And I don't remember who the three. I remember one was Michelle, and I only remember this because I looked through all the pictures today. But then I sent you a picture of somebody that she was. It was somebody referred to as her boyfriend. 
but he's not on the list. It was Mark Foster in 2012. And she actually is seen out with him, unlike any of these other people. It's hard to think of a celebrity like Sarah Michelle Geller, just for an example, where you don't think about their iconic relationships. Like it's her and Freddie Prince Jr., you know, her and Ryan Felipe. And it's weird when you think about Michelle Trachtenberg, you can't really picture her with anybody. She hasn't had like an iconic relationship, which that's really interesting. She hasn't had any public relationships. Yeah, that's I what mean, I mean. I mean, iconic. I, I wonder, like, if I Google, and I will do it right now, like, Pete Wentz, Michelle Trachtenberg, if there is are any pictures of them together, because I'm telling you, she's a loner. I was shocked when I saw the, there are photos of them together. Nice. So, okay, Ashley Simpson apologizes. Because of this. What? Because of the Pete Wentz thing. Because of the fact that, um, okay, so... <clears throat> this is the one where maybe you go, okay, they really were together because there was this party. And at that time, see, this is the, the other thing is like you said, it's 2009, right? That Michelle and Peter together and stuff. Right. And, but in 2009, Pete's already married to Ashley Simpson there, but the, the story went at the time that Pete and Ashley were having a conversation with Michelle and her boyfriend. So at some point she had a boyfriend in 2009 that wasn't Pete Wentz because Pete Wentz is already married. So then this is, I mean, um, so they're having this kind of thing. And then Ashley really started to get drunk, like crazy drunk, and then started to get angry at Michelle, started yelling insults at her and stuff. And then, then it gets like this. Do you ready for this? This is a quote is that she starts to dance with, with Pete. So Ashley is dancing with Pete and she starts dancing on him. Like she's giving him a lap dance, like Ashley Simpson giving Pete Wentz a lap dance. Like that's a visual for everybody. Wait. And is this happening at an Eminem slash Jay-Z show? This is happening. Okay. It's at a party that Jay-Z and Eminem, it was a DJ hero event. So Jay-Z and Eminem are giving a performance. So it's that it's, that's what's going on. But so, um, so she's you're giving him a lap dance. Then Ashley goes up to Michelle and said, I hope you know the whole time you were dating Pete, I was fucking him. And then, then Michelle said, you know, I've never said bad things about you. I'm happy for you guys. And then Ashley's publicist said, oh, it was just a misunderstanding. And Ashley since apologized to Michelle and they remain on good terms. So we, we can believe that Michelle was dating Pete, but it probably wasn't all that interested in him if Ashley Simpson, the sloppy drunk, was managing to find time to be with Pete. And, but it, that's just, can you imagine going up to somebody and, and saying that? Like, I can imagine Ashley Simpson going up to somebody and saying that. And I love that for her. I don't know how true the punked episodes are. Like, I don't know if they're scripted or what, but I will say, because I watched it, that the, Michelle honestly was very, 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 very polite. Like they had some huge guy screaming in her face. Like it was the worst, you know, time for television. It was awful. And she just kept being super polite, trying to like take the high road. So I don't know. I do kind of believe that one. Yeah. I mean, and Michelle has trashed Pete too. There was a time, I guess she was catching a flight to Los Angeles or something from New York. And I don't know, one of Pete's friends was there and, and Michelle was on the phone talking to one of her friends and is just trashing Pete. And so like Pete's like the, the other guy's texting Pete saying, oh my gosh, you should hear what Michelle Trachtenberg is saying about you and stuff. So oh my God. Um, when you say Pete, like all I can think of is Pete and her Pete. and no, like um, Michelle Trachtenberg, like what that would look like if her dating Pete Davidson. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen, but it would be interesting to me and no one else. So the other thing to add to the Pete Wentz thing is supposedly, supposedly, so they dated in 2008-ish before he um, got married to Ashley, right? But then Ashley and Pete divorced. And one of the reasons supposedly, and this is just supposedly, um, is in 2011, Pete was seen with Michelle several times. Hmm. So, okay. You know, why? Yeah, that's interesting, huh? 
yeah, because I mean, if you look, the people say, well, he was spotted with, you know, Michelle in 2011, and that's the same time that he and Ashley got divorced. So, you know, what was the what was the reason? <laughs> so, in yeah, I never watched Love Bites. <laughs> it got canceled. Yeah, I mean, I actually watched it and I wrote about it, but I don't remember the show because it wasn't on long enough. But I remember because I wrote about it and I wrote about it as it was happening, like in 2011 or whatever. And I said that Michelle was good in it. So I must have liked it. And Greg Grunberg was in it, um, the guy from Heroes. And he was like 50 pounds heavier than he had been on Heroes. But I liked it. I, it got canceled. It It was like an anthology show. It was kind of like watching... I compared it to he's just not that into you or like Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve. It was one of those kind of movies where you have so many different characters all doing their kind of thing. And then somehow at the end, it all gets everybody has their story done. So they tried to do it on Love Bites, but it was not a one hour show. It was a 30 minute show, which means you have 22 minutes. And it's it's very difficult to follow that kind of thing when you only have 22 minutes. You, you can't have 30 or 40 characters or whatever if people are coming in and out and not watching it every week and stuff. So I yeah. think that's probably why. She deserves her own Brian Fuller show to destroy. <laughs> they only last one or two seasons anyway, so you might as well take a chance, right? Yeah. In conclusion, Harriet the Spy was the original sleuth, obviously iconic, and just her being on Pete and Pete in general is amazing. There's a certain magic that surrounds Michelle Trachtenberg and all of the characters that she portrays, in my opinion. And I mean, I was so obsessed with Harriet the Spy when I was a kid that I actually called in to Snick all night. I don't know if anybody else remembers this to win a spy kit. But also, I only ate tomato sandwiches for like three months when that movie came out. And I think it might not have even been like a winning thing. Like you might have just had to buy it. I wonder if there's any out there. But yeah, like tomato sandwiches, everything. We have so much nostalgia for Michelle Trachtenberg. But I do think after hearing all of this that she's probably more like her character in Gossip Girl, Georgina, than she is like Nona in Pete and Pete. And that's so sad to realize as an adult and I want to see her in more stuff, like more historical dramas. I thought just her portraying Oswald's wife. Yeah. That's so interesting. And like, I know that people hate when actors say like that they're choosy about roles or they don't want to get typecast and they're not willing to work on this and that. And they're difficult to work with. And I get all of that, but like all of the stars aligned for her to be this like quasi-Russian speaking actress who could portray this woman whose story was like truly untold in an interesting way because of JFK's assassination. And I don't know, I just find it so interesting. And I I do want to see her on screen all the time. I don't, you know, and I feel bad for everybody that has to work with her. Well, I wonder if she had done really well, I, you know, because the Americans, I don't remember if that came out right after or something like that. And Carrie Russell and what's his face. Um, and she did Robot Russian Chicken, Spies. too. She, everybody does Robot Chicken. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> so. Seth, Seth, Seth will put anybody on that show. But, yeah, I mean, she's she's done stuff, but not really anything lately, except for this, you know, Murder, Mary, whatever show. And I think the last thing she was on was some show back in 2018, um, Human Kind of, four years. And that was just a voiceover show, too. Yeah, I'm just glad we were able to work Seth Green into the conversation somehow, honestly. You know, every once in a while, we'll chat with Seth, you know, just about stuff. And, but I never ask him about anything. Like, we'll talk about Robot Chicken is just generally what we keep it to. Um, and he was having a little personal issue a few years ago that I helped him with like, like four years ago or something like that before COVID and I helped him with that. But yeah, I just, I, I like, you know, robot chicken and everybody that he has on there. He's on my nineties bingo card for this show, because I feel like any movie you can think of pump up the volume, right? He's in it. Mm -hmm. He's an extra or a side character in everything in the 90s that was great and if a movie is lacking 
the Seth Green, it it loses points. Well, I can see that. He That's our scale on Cassandra yeah. Explains. So I got you. And also, it's take a shot every time you hear me mention Shakespeare. Well, you haven't even done that except now this one time. That's weird. I'm curious to see what happens with this true crime show that she's doing. Like, Well, if you look, I mean, she was listed as the producer, the executive producer for the season that she was on. And now, I mean, it's just says 13 episodes. It doesn't, there's a second season, but she's not listed as the executive producer. So I mm-hmm. think Helen Hunt is. So uh, something happened on this show that we don't know about. And then I haven't even bothered to dig into because I really don't care. But the first season is hosted by her. She's executive producer. Second season, it's all Helen Hunt. So what happened? Yeah, she told the AP News, I did thousands of modeling jobs. I was literally the blonde hair, blue eyed little girl. She did play school, literally everything. I looked like a creepy little doll. I was acting one day and then modeling the next day back and forth, which I think that is the perfect description of her. She is like a creepy little doll and I love it so much. I would agree with that. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming back on and where can people find your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Um, crazydaysandnights.net. And then I'm at NT Lawyer on all social media. And then there is patreon.com backslash NT Lawyer. All right, perfect. And thank you for coming back. I'm very excited that you agreed to indulge me in this trip down nostalgia lane, especially for Thanksgiving. I don't know why I associate Gossip Girl with Thanksgiving and Pete and Pete with fall, but I just felt like it went really good together. And, you know, thank you for bringing some new information to the table, which I might not have ever known. I was happy to be here. And I hope that everybody out there has a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. Later. It's